Hello and welcome to the Courtside Culture Podcast. Today we'll be talking about bully coaches and what they can do to the psyche of a high school player, no matter how talented that player is. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Courtside Culture. Be sure to check out these other coaching-focused podcasts on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. You can also check out our NBA-focused podcasts, including Knuck If You Buck, Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Oh, don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hello and welcome to the Courtside Culture Podcast. I'm Dave Grinjinski and today we're talking to Coach Lewis Shine. Not only is Coach Shine a consultant for the Hoop Heads Mentorship Program, he's also held various titles in the professional, collegiate, high school, and junior high ranks. Most recently, he was an associate head coach of the Winthrop University's women's basketball team, but he is now hosting a series of virtual coaches clinics, and the next one will be on April 13th. Now, Coach Shine, thank you so much for joining us on the Culture uh, Courtside Culture Podcast. No problem. Uh, pleasure uh, being on, and thanks for having me. So, Coach, I really wanted to get you on the podcast to talk about your virtual coaching clinics and where the discussion on team culture fits in. So, Coach, my first question for you is, can you explain for us what your Chalk Talk clinics are all about? Well, uh, right now, you know, with, uh, you know, Final Four going on and normally with college coaches, we're at the Final Four and we're in the conventions and things like that. And it's a lot of professional development going on. Um, You know, that's... I'm not going to say it's hindered because those conventions are still going on, but there's a lot of different professional development types of things going on. And with me being a, a consultant for coaches, I just wanted to do what I could to, to gather the people that I knew and had influence with um, that could get on it and just freely be of help to coaches that were, are looking to learn and just better themselves um, in their profession. So I wanted to put together something that I could do every Tuesday night uh, for four nights and um, just drop a little wisdom uh, myself, um, as well as from some other of my coaching friends to, to, to give these coaches some stuff to take back uh, to their teams and to their, to their offices and their, their staffs or whatnot. And hopefully it can help them to get better. 
Yeah, I know you've already had a, a, a couple of these things now. How, uh, what kind of conversation, what's, where's the conversation been going? Oh, man, there's been a lot of conversation. The, the, the first night I had uh, Joseph Price, which is a Notre Dame alum, an 18-year NCAA head coach. Um, he dropped a lot of nuggets. He talked about different offenses. Uh, he talked about just his journey and, and, and just being a part of the coaching tree that he's been a part of, you know, some of the things that he picked up and how he, um, some things that he took from different parts of other people's games as far as coaching and how he added his own things and, and just, you know, his experience and some, just some nuggets that he, he was able to add just from his playing days. I mean, it really helped the coaches. And then I had Scott Fields, who is, 15-year FIBA coach, 14-year NCAA coach. Um, he dropped a lot of nuggets. He also um, was a uh, worked with Jerry Sloan with the Utah Jazz. And so he had a lot of different experiences that he shared, that he saw. He talked a lot about player development. Uh, we went into culture. Uh, we went into a number of different things. Uh, of course, would it be in a chalk talk? Um, we had a lot of basketball talk as far as plays, as far as what types of things that you do off of you know, horns and just all kinds of things like that, man. So it's been a, been a, um, a really good time so far. And um, a lot of the coaches had a lot of great feedback, uh, you know, after those sessions. So it was awesome. So is this something that was essentially precipitated by the COVID restrictions and things like that, where, where coaches weren't able to get together as much uh, this time of year? Actually, you know, that may have been a little bit of it, and that's what has um, pushed everybody to be on this Zoom craze or, or Google Meet craze. <laughs> and so, you know, it's pretty easy to get together like that with everybody being around the country. And, and on that call, you know, we have coaches from coast to coast um, that were on that call. I think last week it might have been even some um, international coaches or whatnot, um, maybe like Canada or whatnot. But um you know, I think it was just something that for me, with me helping coaches, is just an extension of my arm to be able to help um, where I can touch more people versus uh, maybe being at a coaching clinic, which I just had to cancel one that I was doing in Northwest Indiana just because a lot of coaches still aren't coming out. And so um, mainly it was just an extension of just being able to do a lot more with a little um, not being able to get out. You can get on virtual and you can kind of touch more people. So it's just something that I was probably going to do regardless. It's just that right now we can only do it. Uh, it's limited. And so the virtual world has made it a lot easier to get to more people. Well, what I love about this is. It goes to show how, and you know, and part of the reason I like doing this podcast and and talking to to coaches and picking just picking the brains of super smart people like yourself is, I think everybody can learn from it, and you know, and you're 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 kind of proving it by doing your virtual coaches clinic. You're coaching up the coaches in in essence. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I I was helped when I got my start. Somebody helped me. Um, other people. Uh, you know, open the door for me to be able to come in their gyms and learn. And, uh, I had certain numbers of coaches that I could just call and ask questions, you know. And so, um, you know, when you're young in coaching, I will say even when you're older in coaching, there's so you can never stop learning in coaching. You know what I'm saying? As long as you're losing games, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, at any capacity, like if you're losing one game a year, you know, there, there's something that you can still learn. And even if you're winning, there's parts of your program that, you could still learn how to do better. It's a never-ending um, cycle, and I think that even with a program or organization or a team, what kind of team, whatever level, 
there's several, I mean, several is the uh, understatement, but there's so many aspects of a program that you can find to better yourself in. So nobody's arrived, you know, and I think uh, with that, um, that's why it's such a pleasure to just do what I can to, you know, I don't know it all, but I've been able to learn some things and have some success at some things. And those are the things I try to share. And even the things I haven't had success at it, I can still share where I bumped my head in hopes that another coach can say, you know what? Okay. I'm not going to go over that bridge. It's got a hole in it, you know? And so um, I believe myself, I've learned from the good and the bad. And I just try to share those things so that other coaches can possibly uh, save time. They can save time and energy and not go a certain way where I might've made a mistake. So it's, it's, it, you can help on all kind of facets and aspects of it. And that's what I just try to do in doing these things. At what point did you realize that you'd, you you kind of want to take your career and turn it towards you know, coaching up the coaches, helping out other coaches? When did when did this all come about? Uh, this came about, um, you know, I finished off at Winthrop. And after that, I had some pretty good interviews, uh, some that I thought were super amazing, thought I had the job, you know, head coaching uh, opportunities, uh associate head coach and opportunities and I just couldn't get back in. So I was, instead of me just sitting on the sideline, um, having a pity party or anything, I decided to still be involved in the game. And that was the way that I was able to be involved. Um, and it kind of how it got started. I, when I was at Winthrop, you know, one of the things I was responsible for and really took a hold of is like timeout counts, uh, file counts, because, you know, those can be critical in a guy in a basketball game. And so, you know, I used to scribble on a notepad and it got to the point where I might get asked a question by my head coach because I used to sit right next to her as the associate head coach. And she asked me, how many files does this player have or whatever, whatever. And there was a few times where I had to really like focused on what I wrote because I was like, oh, I can't read that, you know, like, <laughs> and so I made a I, I went ahead and made a template for myself that I used that every single game I was able to neatly uh, insert check marks or X's because I already typed out all the information, the rosters and all kinds of stuff. So I made it pretty nice and, and charted it. So when I was on the bench, all I had to do was put a check mark for one file or a slash or something like that. And so I perfected this thing. And after I was done at Winthrop, uh, I even further perfected it and got some professionals to tweak it and, and put their expertise on it so that it can flow real freely. And so one day I put it on um, Twitter and I said, hey, anybody, any coaches out there need a, a chart that uh, you got files, timeouts, you want to track it in a better way, just message me. Uh, I'd love to get it to you. And it went viral. And I'm talking about not just a few people, but literally um almost a thousand retweets, um, you know, the the Clippers reached out to me, the Indiana Fever, Baylor, several different high programs, uh, you know, coaches outside of the country, as well as all of the, you know, ND2, D3, NAIA high schools, I, you name it, people were reaching out to me for it. And so I was like, you know what? I not only have this template, but I have other things too. And so I created a website from that, started putting out um, different templates that I created, created a webinar, uh, wrote a book, 
Um, so I just started doing things for coaches. And from there, um, I had, you know, um, a few coaches that ended up bringing me in to do uh, one day talks, uh, two day workshops with the staff, their staff and their players observing practice. And it just went from there. And so that's kind of how everything got going, man. <laughs> It's crazy how a side hustle becomes something like that, right? You know, just something you're, you know, you're kind of doing on your own. But, but again, coach, it speaks to, to the fact that, you know, there are a lot of coaches out there, you know, looking to improve, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I run up a lot. I run up against a lot of them when I'm, when I've been, like I say, I've been to the final four conventions and things, and there's thousands upon thousands of coaches. I mean, coaches everywhere you can look and you know how big those convention centers are <laughs> everywhere. You can look, there's coaches, you know? And so everybody's there. They're trying to get better. They're doing professional development, going to the different workshops that the, you know, the, uh, the WBCA, um, you know, and then on the men's side, you got the NABC. Um, there's coaches everywhere. So, you know, I love to see it. And coaches just are learning, trying to find those things to take back to their programs and get better. So it's amazing, man. The other thing that that intrigues me with you and your career is just the you've been on every level of, of basketball, it seems. And I can only imagine, you know, the, the wealth of knowledge that you've acquired you know, being involved in in the pro ranks and the college ranks and the high school, and the junior high ranks. Um, how much does that help you when you're trying to help coaches? Yeah. So, you know, if you look at my my college coaching resume, it's not very long. You know, it's three seasons. Um, one as a D2 assistant coach, uh, one as a D2 head coach, one as a D1 uh, associate head but I've also been a, a head coach in the pros. I've been assistant coach in the pros. I've been a general manager in the pros for four years. I've been a, a, a pro team owner for three years. You know, I've played pro, I've played college. You know, I, I, I you know, I was part of a, uh, Mac championship team in college. You know, I won a championship as a coach there. You know, there's been a lot. I've, I've, I've done work with the NBA. You know, I've done a lot of different things as well as other leagues. And so, you know, when I'm when I'm working with coaches, um, I do have the three years of college because I work with a lot of college coaches. But that doesn't speak to my full resume. There's a number of different things that you need, um, I believe, as a head coach to run a program. And if there's a head coach that's only focused on their X's and O's and how well they can do when they're like walking down the sideline and, and, and telling their team what to do, that's like a small percentage of coaching. You know, when you're running a program, you have so many things to do. You have marketing, you have, you know, alumni base where you want to reach out to them and keep them connected with the program. There's so many different things. And so for me, when I coached college, everything that I had done in the game helped me to be successful when I was a college coach. And so I try to bring all of those things, bring them together. And then when I'm consulting with coaches and with programs, I bring all those things together to help them in a well-rounded way. And one of the, my favorite things to do, I'm a strategist. So I don't look at just things like everybody else thinks about it. I'm going to find the things that can better a program that are not that, that are out of the ordinary um, that people normally don't look at. And so that's what I did. Um, you know, even as a D2 head coach, I 
I, I led a 23 and six campaign. Uh, we were two seconds away from the NCAA tournament. And, you know, it, it, it brought us a long way that season, just looking at things that are out of the ordinary and learning from people that are the best on the planet at what they do and, and drawing things from them. That's that's what I did, man. So I believe all those things together um, helps the program, not just my college coaching, but everything I've done in the game. Well, as soon as, you know, when, when I spotted you on Twitter, I jumped all over it, man. You know, when, when I saw your background and, and, you know, and, and the things you've done and, and the things you've accomplished and then what you're doing now, I, you know, I said immediately, I said, I have to talk to Coach Shine. I've got to get him on the podcast. And so when you're talking to coaches, how often does the subject of team culture come up? Um, I'll be honest with you. It doesn't come up a whole lot because at least what I've experienced, and I can't say this for everybody, but at least what I've experienced, when coaches get together, they're talking more about finding players, recruiting, because that's a you have a there's a big onus on that. You have to get players. And they're talking about what they're running, what works on the court, what's not working on the court. Sometimes culture is talked about, but many times than none, it's not talked about. And, you know, for me, that's a huge piece. You know, no culture, you don't have anything without a culture. And when you see, you know, we've been watching it in these NCAA tournament games, there's teams that we that are known by their culture, their, their institution is known by their culture. And a lot of times that's why you see the same teams every season, they're in the final four every single year or they're pushing up at the final four every single year because there's a culture that's established there. And, and there's a buy in of the players and the coaches and everybody that's surrounding the program that that program, when they seek out players, they're seeking a certain player. You know, you might have programs that they're getting top players or whatnot, but then there's programs that are highly successful that they seek out the right role players. So it's not necessarily about the superstars. There's they have players that are good at what they do, whether that's rebounding or 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 something other than scoring or whatnot, that there are certain programs that go after certain people. Um, and so that's a part of their culture. Um, so, you know, culture can take a lot of different shapes, but you can tell the teams that don't have a culture in place and teams that have a culture in place. And when you have a, the right culture um, and it's been strengthened over time, um, it's, it's, it's very hard to not be successful. So, um, you know, I haven't I don't hear a lot about it, but the ones that I do hear it from, those are the kind of player coaches and people that I tend to gravitate towards because I'm a big culture guy. I'm so glad to hear that. It's so funny. I, I tweeted out a uh, a quote from Ben uh, Bo Schembechler not long ago. And it says, you know, you, you, you started, you started that with, you know, when coaches get together, they want to talk about recruiting and, you know, and getting players and things. But this, this quote from Bo Schembechler says, when you lose out on a recruit, that player may beat you once, maybe twice a year, recruit the wrong person who doesn't fit your culture and they will beat you every day. And that really, I mean, it, it just struck a nerve with me. And 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 what you're, you know, and everything that you said, I I 100% agree with, you know. And so it sounds to me, coach, like you feel the same way that I do. I think coaches need to be talking more about team culture and how to build it and how to how to uh, pr- 
put you know develop it successfully yeah um team culture man it's it's what if you focus on that primarily it can produce wins you know and not just on the court in, in every aspect with the right culture in place and with the culture running smoothly as a well-oiled machine there's some things that you don't have to police in terms of your program like attitudes or or just people way that people carry themselves and the integrity of things and and just the work ethic like if you have that culture it's there you know so i heard gino say uh, a few years ago he, he was in a, a behind the scenes um talk with his players um in practice he said he said if if you were if 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 i had to coach your effort you wouldn't be here like there's a culture in place there, you know, and that culture says we're not here to coach effort. We're going to recruit you because you're the kind of player that we don't have to teach effort to. You're already portraying that. So there's that's just an example of a, a culture that's in place there. Like they're 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 successful, highly successful because of that culture. And so, you know, culture can produce wins culture at the top. Um, you know, first and foremost, can alleviate pain that a coach might have to go through later because they're going through things where if a culture was in place, they wouldn't have to go through. So I wholeheartedly believe in culture. Have you overall, you know, with all of your experience and over the years, have you put together um, like your template, you know, you're like your, uh, your, your assistant coaching template for fouls and, uh, and timeouts. Have you put together like maybe a little checklist of what you think, um, is most important when you're developing a team culture? Yeah. So, um, you know, my checklist kind of reverts back to what I did, you know, um, I had a really, for me, a really good, um, test or, or taste of, of building a program when I became an acting head coach at the division two level. So I was able to implement a lot of different things um, that um, were not in place, even though before I became an acting head coach, we won the conference championship. So there were some things in place that my former boss had. But when I became the acting head coach, there were some things that I was able to put in place that that came from my playing days. And so and my coaching experience and just my basketball experience overall. And so one of the very first things with culture that um, you, you, you have to put in place is a vision. If you don't know where you're going, you'll hit it every time. And that, that destination is nowhere. (laughs) You know, you have to have a destination. So for me and, and how I, how I coach and, what I believe in is this. If I'm going to do all the work that it requires a coach to do, whether that's practices, team meetings, uh, 6 a.m. practices, staff meetings, meetings with my AD, uh, traveling, going to recruit, just the, all the things that a coach has to do. If I'm going to do all that, then I'm going to do this thing to win. Like, I'm not going to have the mindset of, well, we're going to finish we're going to we're playing for second since there's a good team in our conference or uh, we don't have enough, uh, you know, height or or athleticism, <laughs> you know, like those type of excuses. Like I had to create a vision 
And I have to create a atmosphere that is a no excuse atmosphere. And so from the get go, that's what I tell coaches. You have to get your players on board with what you want to do. You don't see what the players want to do and then create your vision. You create the vision and then give that to the players and then you get them on board. And so whatever your vision is, you want to make sure it's visible. You want to make sure that 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 vision is talked about. You want to make sure everybody down to the team manager knows what is going on and that they're in tune with the step of your cadence. They they have to be on the same accord as you. So that's the first thing, like vision. And then after that, you know, you have several different things. You go into your player development. You go into your your preseason post and 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 in-season workouts and how you're doing them and why you're doing what you do. Uh, then it goes down to your practices. Like, am I practicing based on my game plan or am I practicing with an itinerary that just looks good on paper and it's a whole bunch of drills that really don't make sense according to what I'm asking my players to do on the court? You know, you have to comb through all of those type of things. There's many, many more, but those are some of the things that really stick out for me because if you're not practicing what you want to happen on the court, then why am I doing it? So, you know, in, in rebuilding a program and, you know, I got calls with coaches even today where I'm going to be talking to them about some of those things, different programs, division one program. I have a call with today where we're going to be combing through and talking about certain aspects of the program. And I believe for me, what I'm bringing to the table is I'm going to be looking at some of those checklist items that you mentioned and we're going to highly diagnose what's going on and why is it going on and what we need to change, what we need to keep, what we need to take away. And, and let's put this thing into practice and let's see if this gets you more wins and and potentially uh, a conference championship. So that's kind of the little checklist things I kind of start to go down when I'm talking to coaches. So I am not going to pretend that I have the, a resume, you know, coaching basketball like you have, but I have coached, I've coached my son and I've coached, you know, but one of the things that I learned when I was playing and I, you know, I played through high school and then I played a little bit of baseball in college, but one of the things that I really liked, and you said this word multiple times in your last answer is why. And I picked up on that and I'm like, I really like knowing like, why, why, why are we doing, we're doing this drill, but why, why does it fit? How does it fit into a game? Why? You know, and that is one thing that I, I would make sure I would do with, with any of the kids that I coach, you know, when we're doing a drill, I would say, you know, this is why we're doing it. Or I would show them or I bring up the example of, Hey, remember when this happened? Well, this is why we're doing it. And, and I think asking that question of yourself as a coach can help a lot and building your team culture and getting everybody on the same page. And it sounds to me like you feel that way too. Yeah, you you have to. I mean, I'm glad you brought that out. I'm going to tweet about that later because you brought it up. It's a really important question because a lot of times us coaches, we, we see other teams or other great coaches or programs, they're doing stuff. And so we try to take it. But then we put it into our system and sometimes it may not work because you may not have the personnel that that coach has or the talent or, you know, it's not to say that your your kids aren't talented, but everything doesn't work for everybody. So you have to ask yourself, why am I doing it? You know, um, there was a drill that I stole from UConn 
a few years ago when I played and it was a drill that he used to open practices. And he said that he opened practices with his UConn team as well as the USA women's basketball team every single practice. It, there was, he said there was not a practice that he did that he didn't open the practice with this drill. And he explained why. So when I went and looked at my team, I looked at my personnel. I'm like, okay, I see I'm a high pace, you know, type of coach that pushes high pace, push the ball down the court. We want high pace on the court. I can start my practice with this because it makes sense in my scheme, my coaching plan. So I was able to add it then. If I didn't have that kind of team, it wouldn't have made sense for me. So you're right. You're completely right. You have to ask, ask yourself, why? Why am I doing that? You know, that that's one of the best questions that a coach can ask. And you could go from A to Z in everything that you do as a coach. Why do I recruit like this? You know, why do I coach like this? Why is my practice at this time? <laughs> you could go down the line with it. One of the things that, uh, you know, and, and, and to your point, um, again, you know, I was coaching AAU uh, when my son was in seventh grade. We had a good team. The thing is, we didn't have a lot of height. And like, like, like to your point, you looked at the team. You know, the first thing I did when, when I knew who we had on our team was I looked up small ball offenses, you know, because I asked myself, why would we even try to run? <laughs> you know, we're not going to put our backs to the basket and go toe to toe with the trees. It's just not going to happen. And so, you know, again, to your point, you know, even from an X's and O's perspective, you know, along with the team culture, you ask yourself why. And, and when you start looking at it, the X's and O's and the culture to me are so intertwined without coaches even realizing it, it seems, because you're saying we don't talk about this enough, but the X's and O's and the culture, it's so intertwined. I just, you know, to me, it, it they really just go hand in hand, culture and what happens on the floor. Exactly. I mean, I think that, you know, when you're a coach, you have to first know who you are and know what you're about and what you can bring to the table and then what you want out of the program. You know, once you know those things, now you can set your culture. Once you set your culture, now you want to broadcast that culture to everybody that's a part of the program with that culture is going to carry a certain type of uh, game plan that you carry on the court because you you can't have a high power offense, but your culture is lacking. So now you have to figure out how you're going to trust those players to do certain things within that offense that they may not be able to do if you can't trust them to be on time to practice. If I can't trust them to be on time to practice, how can I trust them to get back on defense or be in the right position on my full court press? So everything goes together, you know, and when it goes together, it's like a it's like a sweet song on a on a summer night. It's like a weld oil machine. It just goes lovely. And, and so I think they all like you say, they, they're all intertwined and the great teams. You see how intertwined those things are. They really flow together. So. A consistent message on the podcast, you know, you, I hear words like trust and confidence and and things like that. One of the things I really wanted wanted to to ask you about is your opinion on like the the off the court 
things that help build team culture. I've heard coaches talk about, you know, like on the high school level, team dinners at, uh, at, you know, at, you know, parents would, uh, volunteer, you know, their homes and invite the whole team and the coaches over for team dinners on Thursday night before, before a Friday night game. I've heard, uh, things or coaches are buying smoothies for their, for their players because they did it once and they won and now they got to do it every single, you know, every single home game. They need a smoothie because they think that's what helped them win that day. Do, have you experienced stuff like that? Do you believe in stuff like that? What are your thoughts on that off the court stuff that helps build the culture of a team? Well, with off the court types of things that that build a team culture, I'm a firm believer in those kind of things. I think that you can't just push basketball and push drills and push running and all of that and expect that you're going to just get everything you want to out of a player. The player first has to know that you care about them. And so when you take it to off the court things, you get to know the player. Um, you get to know who the player is, where they're from. Um, you know, it starts there. So once you know the kid, then, you know, which a lot of the off the court things help to get to know a player. Um, but in terms of just doing different things, you know, I did a lot of things. You know, I brought in special speakers, whether they were WNBA players or pro players. I took players to uh, pro games as a team, which was amazing because whenever you want a certain performance out of your players, you need to expose them to something that they're doing, but at a greater level. So if I take a college team to a pro game, there's going to be things they're having fun and we're going to know each other. We're team bonding and, and the building and things like that. But now they're exposed to a higher level of something that they're already doing. It's going to automatically pull them up to another level just because of what it is. Whenever you're looking at something or hearing something, you can't stop the information from going into your brain. When you see something, you can't say, oh, I want to take it back. Let, you know, it's there. When you hear something, it goes in. It's, it's there. And now it's either going to take you down or it's going to pull you up. And exposing them to something greater always pulls them up. Um, you can do other things, too. You can take them out to eat. You know, dinner in a movie. You can do team building exercises, um, ropes course courses, and different different things like that. There's just a number of things you can do. I, I'm a firm believer in it because it only strengthens your team. And when you look around at the greats, the greats, the great teams, they do those kind of things. They they have pop ups where pro players will pop in and do the pregame talks. There there's different things that if you take advantage of those kind of things. It will work for you every time. It, it's just a law. It's a law. You know, if it goes in, it's there and it's going to work for you. Now, of course, they have to take the initiative to do those things. But if you have a culture in place that it reinforces those things, then it's going to work for your culture. I think one of the, the things that those types of events, the off the court things do is I think it helps the team communicate because I think there, you know, you're, if you're only, you know, it's, it, or just like, you know, at a job in an office, you know, if you only see your, you know, the, the people you work with in the office all the time, I mean, you're limited on what you, what you're going to talk about, right? It's probably going to be mostly work and you're really not going to get to know anybody. But when you, when you get your teams out 
into, you know, a, a different venue, a different, you know, something that is non-basketball related or, or whatever. You know, I, I think that now that now they have a chance to decompress a little bit, there's there's a little more time. They can explore each other a little bit, learn a little bit more about each other and start forming that brotherhood or that sisterhood that, again, will will come together off the court, but then also come together back on the court, because like I said, you, you talk about building trust and, and confidence. I think it all, you know, it all kind of comes in together. Is that what you've seen over your career? Yeah, it's a, a, it's a cohesive bond. You know, you you can't have one without the other. You can't have a, a fantastic team uh, and a great culture outside of the players trusting you, knowing you, you get to know them. Um, that kind of bond, the off the court types of things, you just can't have it. I, I've never the, the the teams where I've had that kind of experience. You know, if 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 you'll do what you can for a player and you show them that you care and you do those types of things and, and get to know both sides of the player, not only the athlete but the player, the person, you know, um, their families and things like that. When you go back to the other side and say, I need this from you on the court, it'll happen. But if you eliminate the off the court stuff, it's going to be hard to get the on the court things and the the contributions that you need out of those players. You know, the other thing you mentioned was having that vision and and what you said after that was was to me even more important it's communicating that vision and making sure you know everybody understands the vision i think what goes along with that is it's 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 that uh, and and it's uh, again wrapped around communication is exp- talking to your players right and making sure you know that they're clear on what their role is right what your vision is for them and i think sometimes too you know I've had conversations with coaches who, you know, and they've admitted it. They're like, yeah, you know, you kind of expect the kids to come up to you and talk to you if they have a problem or something like that. But a lot of times it doesn't work that way because these kids maybe are not comfortable, you know, going up to a, to a coach or an adult or an authority figure or call it, you know, call it whatever you want. But I, I, that's why I think the onus is on the coach. Like, and, and to your point to have, when you have that vision to get it out there, have you been in those situations, you know, where you're trying to get your vision across and you go to the player individually, how do you communicate their roles to them, your vision, and just to make sure whether it's, you know, your 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 best player or or the person at the end of the bench, how do you accomplish that? You know, in, in, as an a co- as a coach, an assistant coach, whatever role, you know, you were in, how do you accomplish that? Well, I think one of the things that we have to look at is just the culture of basketball in general. And with the culture of basketball, all the attention goes to who can score the most points. So now when a coach comes to their their players, we first and foremost know that one player can't score all the points. <laughs> Neither is every player on the team going to score a lot of points. You're going to have your maybe top two, three. That's going to maybe have that 10, 15 plus or whatever. But then you still have a whole team. And so how do you make every player feel like I am equally as responsible in my role as the person that's scoring 20? Is my role equally as effective and important? That's what a coach has to ask themselves 
and then have to go to work on making that happen. Because the person that gets, I mean, we look back and see Dennis Rodman. Okay, his role was equally as important as the person that scored 20, 30 points. Because if he leaves a game with 29 rebounds and four points, that's good enough for a player of the game for me. You know, you rule the rebounds, you're going to rule the game and win it many times. And so everybody must have a role. No player should should not have a role. They should know exactly what they're expected to do and, and that is expected of them. And then they should be graded based on how they carry that out. And the entitled entire message that should be preached is every role is equally important. And we are a team and we're going to do this as a team and accomplish this as a team. I think going at it like that is the best way, because like I say, basketball, the 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 highly the shiny thing is how many points were scored. That's the shiniest, attractive thing And that can make players think, well, if I'm not scoring any points, I must not be good when that's not really true, you know, because there's other things they can they can be a hustle guy or or, or lady. They can be that player that is 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 a a good leader on the court, um, a good floor general and may not score a lot. Um, They may be that sixth man or seventh man that comes and brings the fire that keeps the um, team going while the starters are getting the rest. I mean. Is a lot of different roles, and so I think those have to be defined. And when they are defined, and, and and then they're met because the players know what's required of them, then there can be a great synergy amongst the entire team. Coach, I couldn't have said it better. I so agree with you, and really, like this is this is one of the main points. I always hope that you know that come that would come across. In the podcast, because like I'm with you, like I think, you know, if you're going to keep somebody on a team, right, they they should have a role. And and like you said, whether it's, you know, and I've seen I've seen all the good. I'm, I'm with you. I've seen enough good teams to, to know, like just by watching a team, you know, you know, when player A comes in. Up oh, there, that's their defensive shutdown person right there. And out the words, oh yep, she's going right on their scorer because the score is getting hot, and she's in there to shut her down. You know, like like she knows her role. It's very clear. She's bought in now, right? Because she knows her role, which adds to the culture. Like like to me, that communication and then delivering on the communication. So you can't tell a kid, hey, you're you're gonna be my sixth man. But then he doesn't go in until, you know, like like eight or nine on the bench, you know, and then he's, then he's going, what's going on? And now he's not clear what's going on. Now he's walking around in a dark room, not sure, really you know, bumping into things, like one looking over his shoulder. Now he gets out on the floor and now he's thinking, well, wait, I thought I was the sixth man, but here I'm like the ninth man. I don't want to mess this up. You know what I mean? Like it just destroys everything. It destroys the kid's confidence. And and to me, you know, and, and really it just goes back to that, to that communication from the coach, carving out that role, and again, getting that buy-in and creating that team culture. Do you agree? I mean, am I off base by, by saying that? Oh no, you're you're right on you're you're you are right on the money, man. I mean, it then again, we're not even talking about X's and O's. We're talking about things behind the scenes that happen before we even get on the court. And so you're 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 spot on, man. I mean, I think those things are so important and I think there has to be a premium on those kind of things because we see a lot of teams that don't have the 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 chemistry 
and we look on TV because we're watching the games naturally. But when we see a team that's just out of sync, I can name 10 things that is not happening that are leading to what you're seeing on TV. You know, there's a checklist of things that you can go down like, okay, how's the team chemistry? How's the team bonding? Um, how's practices? Um, how's the relationship between the coaches and the players? There's just a number of things that you have to go down to check out because you don't just see a team and say, oh, they're just out of sync or they're just, you know what I'm saying? Like there, there's things that are leading to that. The, 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 those, those checklist things are the trees and the branches and what you're seeing on the court, that's the fruit. You know, so the fruit don't fall far from the tree, you know, Man. so <laughs> coach, I'm telling you, like, I would love to coach with you. I, I, I could just boy, oh boy, we are a match made in heaven, <laughs> I'm just, you know, and, and so, all right, before we're now, we're going to do some fun stuff here, you know, because okay. everybody, anybody who's ever listened to the podcast knows, you know, where we do what the, what's the coolest and first things last at the end of the podcast. But before we get there, like, I, I know you've got, um, you know, your coaches talk, chalk talk coming up on April 13th. Will you be holding any additional, either whether it's a seminar, an in-person thing or, or virtual um, uh, talks, you know, in the coming months? Yeah. So we actually have a couple of the chalk talks. The uh, April 6th, we have one where I have a really special guest. And then the April 13th, like you mentioned, I'm actually going to be closing the chalk talk out for at least that, at least those sessions, those four sessions. I'll be closing it out. And, you know, if this podcast does get posted before I do it, I'm encouraging everybody to jump on because a lot of what I'm going to talk about is it's going to be like non it's kind of like those non uh, on the court kind of things that lead to the on the court things, kind of like we were just talking about. And so I want to really dive into a lot of those different things that normally coaches don't talk about or normally we don't get the teaching about. A lot of times we might go to chalk talks or different sessions and they're talking about their pride and joy, whether that's their full court press or their zone or something like that. But there's so many things behind that, that if you do, then what you want out of a play or a zone from players you'll get. But if you don't do these other things, the mindset could be off. You know, um, I seen a um, quote earlier today with Gino. Um, I mean, he, he has some of the best one liners, man. But this quote said that I'm not looking to um, just advance and move on. I'm trying to win and dominate. Like, so that's a, that's a picture of his culture. So that's a different mindset. I'm not trying to just do what I can to get by. I'm trying to make it to where you don't want to ever play me again. Like, it's a different mindset. So I'm going to be talking about some of those things, um, because if you can change that mindset, then it changes everything. You as a coach, the way you recruit, the way you write your practice itinerary, the way you push your players, um, the way you uh, vibe with your players off the court, it it all ties in together into the same mindset. So I'm going to be talking about a lot of that on April 13th, some amazing stuff. And then um, after that, um, one of my partners, we're looking to uh, launch a, um, a mini conference, like a coaching conference. This is going to be called Mentality. Uh, a lot of coaches don't get the mental training more than they do like the coaching training, like how you run drills, you know, what's the best drills or what's the best shooting drills or, you know, all those kind of things. 
but it's the mentality because the team will live and die on the coach's mentality. If you have a coaching mentality that says, well, we're not going to be that good this year. This is a quote unquote rebuild year because we don't have the most athletic players. Okay. That's going to radiate through the program and that's what's going to set the bar. But if you have a coach that says, you know what? I just got dealt a hand from a deck of cards and yeah, I got five twos and I got some threes and maybe some eights and one ten. I don't have no aces or no face cards, but I'm going to make it happen. That's what mentality will radiate through the program and you'll have better performance. So with that being said, that's what we're going to be doing in that conference is really trying to build the coach. So now that the coach can go out and run through a brick wall with you know, very little. So that's that's kind of what we're going to be doing with that. that you know, I, it, it amazes me, coach, how so many coaches don't don't see what what you were just talking about and what what really get what really pushed me to do this podcast like it was it's a it's kind of a long story you know because of covid this year the high schools they weren't um you know they you weren't allowed to have people at the games and so they were live streaming and i used to do play by play i started doing play by play for for one of the high schools around here and you know and it led me to the to the folks at hoopheads podcast network but I will tell you that, that the, you know, when we were talking about what kind of podcast, you know, I would do, I said, I'd love to do one on team culture. Cause I watched, I, this is the, from the same school coach. I, I watched these two, se- I watched both their seasons play out. It was a boys team and a girls team. I watched both their seasons play out. And by culture alone, the girls team had such a better season. They went deeper in the playoffs. They had so much fun doing it. It was, it was like night and day. I mean, the difference was palpable. And, and this boys team, ton of talent on that team, but no culture whatsoever. Nothing, nothing there. The kids were miserable. And, you know, they ended up winning, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 games, whatever it was. And here, the girls who also, you know, they they only won 10 or 11 games, but they just kept getting better and better as the season went along. They were getting tighter, they were getting stronger. They lost, you know, they lost they lost girls to injury. They lost their starting point guard for 5 games. It didn't matter. They would just plug somebody in and they would just keep on running. And I said the biggest difference between those two teams is the culture. And the team with the culture keeps winning. So to your point, coach, that's why I think this is so important for coaches to wrap their heads around. It, it, very, it very well is, man. I'm telling you, it's uh, it's one of those things that need to be drilled on and drilled down on. And, you know, while you were talking, man, I just thought back to um, I, went, I went to a couple of final four games and uh, seen Gino's teams. And, uh, and I keep going back to him because he's. He's done a lot of great things, and but I but you can see a culture. I mean, you can see a culture through the TV. There's different things that happen. For instance, they they lost a few games there um, the last few years in the Final Four, but you saw their players. You didn't see them hold their heads. They they may have did did that in the locker room, but they jogged off as a unit back to the locker room as if they won a game. There's different things that happen, and I was like, wow, that that right there. They didn't just decide to do that on their own like that. That was taught and that was 
that culture thing that you see every team that he has is just like that. And you see the results of it as well. And, and that culture piece is amazing. And the mentality piece is even more amazing because before you get to the culture, you have to have the right mindset. So I, I told yeah. I, I could not agree more, Coach, because I can't tell you how many times I brought up the words mindset. Like everything you're saying is is what you know continually comes up on the podcast. Now you've mentioned you've been to some Final Four games. Okay, it's time to play. What's the coolest? So, Coach, what's the coolest place you've played, coached, or watched a game? You can give us all three. You can give us one. Coach, played or watched the game? What's the coolest? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I would have to say uh, the coolest place that I've played a game. Oh, my gosh. Um, I would probably have to say uh, the pyramid in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, I don't, I don't know if it's still open, but or, you know, back when I played, it was a, it was a while ago. So uh, but I thought it was pretty cool just to see how the, they they from the outside to picture how they would fit a basketball arena in there. And then you go in and it's there. It's like, wow, it's pretty cool. So, so coach, the pyramid, I was just actually there recently. Um, wow. It is no longer, it is no longer a basketball court. It's a bass really? pro. It's a best pro shops. It's like the oh. biggest one in the country or something. Oh, yeah. And you go in there. Yeah. And it has like an elevator. There's a restaurant in there up, up at the top and you get a nice view of the, of the river and everything. But yeah, that's what it is now. So now like oh, you and I, wow. we shared the same floor coach. <laughs> wow. So do they have like seats in there or anything? Or is no, it all it's good? all what they've done is it's like a hotel, like along the sides, you could stay at the Bass Pro. Oh my God. They've converted awesome. into, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Look it up. But yeah, so you and I, we shared, I shared the floor with Coach Shine. Wow. I love it. No, no, <laughs> totally different scenarios, but what we did, Coach, that's, but yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but that's what it is now. That That's what the pyramid is. So, so Coach, before we let you go, though, we always love to do first things last at the end. And then I'm telling you, we get so many surprising answers. So let's start here. What was your first job? Oh, uh, picking up paper in apartment complexes when I was growing up in Chicago. Coach. Got paid. You know who else used to pick up papers and paint the lines in a parking lot in an apartment complex? <laughs> Back Probably in college, you. that was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you, Coach, we're a match made in heaven. There <laughs> I love it, is. it. There it is. Do you remember, hey, do you remember your first car? My first car was a Honda Accord. Um, four door stick. It was all white. This was back in probably like a 1993 or four, something like that. I'll tell you, a lot of people, their first cars are white. I don't know why, but that's been coming yeah. up a lot too. It's, it's just, it's kind of funny. So do you remember the first record CD or cassette that you bought? Ooh, that I bought? Oh my. Or do you uh, remember, or just having, do you remember what, uh, yeah, I can remember the first CD that I bought. It was probably um, uh, Monica, um, One of Them Days. I think that's the name of the song. But, uh, you know, when I was in junior high, that was pretty popular. And I can remember the CD cover and the way it looks and the way she was standing on there. I could see it like like it was yesterday. I'm not sure if that was the name of the song, but. Yeah, that's what it, that was one of them, I think. Do you remember your first concert? My first concert was 
the Cincinnati Jazz Festival on the Cincinnati River when I was that was my first official concert uh, before I went to Miami, Ohio. Um, that was a gift my dad them took me to the Jazz Festival. Um, now, when I was growing up, I went to a lot of jazz festivals, you know, in the park when I lived in Cali, but that was my first official concert. That's a good one. All right. Now, present day, here we go. What is the first app that you check every morning when you get up and grab your phone? Twitter. Yep. Twitter's a consistent one. I'm I'm a Twitter guy too. And uh, you know, and then I, I, I move from there. I'm gravitating a little bit more you know, towards Bleacher Report too. I kinda like that one. Now me let me let me let me back up though. Uh that's the first app that I check when I get done, you know, with my morning devotion and praying. And but the very, very first app that I go to is my Bible app. That's the very first one. So I had to back up on that one. There you go. Well, coach, I can't thank you enough for for spending some time with us on the podcast because, man, this conversation has been so enlightening. And uh, like I said, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, man. I'm honored to be on, and I appreciate your time and having me. So if people want to reach out to you on Twitter, can you go ahead and give them your Twitter handle so they can find you? Yeah, I'll give them everything. Uh, my website is www.lewisshine.com. Um, got a lot of coaching materials on there, ways that people can get on and book me um, to either be a consultant or speak or work with your team, um, as well as um, on all social media, including Twitter. I am at Lewis Shine at L-E-W-I-S-S-H-I-N-E. Please give me a follow message me. I would love to connect with you. Well, coach, if a dope like me can find you, <laughs> the smart people will be able to find you. I promise you. But, but again, thank you so much, coach, for coming on. And uh, let's let's keep in touch, please. My pleasure. Let's 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 make it happen, man. All right. Hey, now remember, if you know a great coach who's doing great things, winning games, building a great team culture at the same time, we want to hear about them. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Courtside Pod Number One on Facebook and Instagram at Courtside Culture Podcast, or you could email the show at Courtside Culture Podcast at gmail remember folks build up your player strengths find them all a roll and you'll take them all from good to great we'll see you next time thank you for joining us on the courtside culture podcast and remember build the good in your players instead of focusing on repairing the bad find your players a role each and every one of them and take them from good to great we'll see you next time